It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. On the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN, also to you by Belly Up Sports. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, joined here with my co-host, Mr. Christopher Dowhower. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm great. I'm excited to have this draft. I've been looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll talk about that in a second. Shout out to Ben coming back after missing the last two weeks. But now this is going to be his last show until the fall. Ooh. What the heck, Ben? Yeah, you know, Chris and Dan have just been fighting too much for me. Uh, I got to take a little break <laughs> until the fall. Very charged. Oh, that's excellent. He's going to have a great summer. He'll be back with us in the fall. We will miss him in the meantime. But we're going to have him doing double the work once he does come back. So don't you worry, Ben. All right, Ben, we'll talk to you in a little while. So now we are going to be getting into the NFL draft first round mock, but this is not going to be your typical NFL mock draft. This is going to be a pure fantasy NFL mock draft. That's what we're going to be doing today. Basically, we're going to go through all 32 picks, but we're only drafting quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. Just fantasy relevant players. I know there's some IDP leagues out there screaming at me right now, but just general industrial fantasy relevant players. That's what we're going to do. And it's going to be a really, really fun theoretical exercise, I think, as we go through this. And it'll give us an opportunity to actually talk about these players in specific locations to what their relative fantasy value possibly could be. And it gives us a little bit of a warm up for next week because next week's a draft. It's six days away. Coming. This is Friday, what, April 24th is April 29th, six days away from the NFL draft. The Belly Up Sports' NFL, MDs, and BUFL's NFL draft coverage, live, free streaming, no commercials. We're going to have pick-by-pick betting analysis. We're going to have fantasy analysis. We're going to have football analysis. We're going to have over 50 guests between Thursday and Friday because we're covering the first three rounds. So it's going to be a big time event. I hope you guys all join because we're going to have a lot of interactive things going on with you guys, the fans throughout the draft, making it the best, what I think is going to be the best draft coverage out there throughout the night. So I'm very excited for that. As a result of that, I do want MD Nation to keep aware. We will not be back next Friday at 11 to 1230 on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Chris and I need to save our voices for the eight hours of streaming that we are going to be doing between Thursday night and Friday night. And our bladders, yes. I, we're going to find out exactly what Scott Hansen does to make sure he doesn't pee on set. What we're going to be doing, though, we'll be back the following week, and we'll start recapping the draft, recapping the fantasy analysis, and get you up to speed on that through the month of May. So that's what May is going to hold for you. So make sure you get your MD Nation fix in, and you come in on Thursday night. That one will be at Belly Up Fantasy on all your social media accounts. And then Friday, we'll be at Belly Up MDFF Show. And, of course, we'll be on YouTube the entire time at MD's Fantasy Football Show. Please subscribe. We'll be everywhere. You, you won't be able to miss us. So just tune in wherever you like to go. Put us alongside. If you're watching you know, the NFL draft coverage from one of the, the flagship stations that you would normally watch, put us alongside of it. Mute them. 
put us alongside of it. You'll have a lot more fun that way. I guarantee you that. So, Chris, let's get into this show. I'm excited. Like I said, I like I like doing theoretical practices. One, we get to have some more fun, but two, we kind of get our we kind of get to put our evaluations to the test when we actually put these guys in specific situations. Was there any observations you had when looking through this NFL mock draft before we get ready? I think one of the cool things for me is that we're going to be able to talk about some of our sleepers, possibly, where a lot of times people focus on the, you know, the players going really high. Um, you know, we see every year that somebody comes out of the blue. James Robinson was, you know, rocked the fantasy world last year as a drafter free agent. So we have a chance to kind of talk about some of these guys with this draft because we're going to be focusing all on the pot, the prime playmakers. And Yeah, that, that's kind of the reason why we're doing this in the first round mock with just fantasy players. You get a chance to talk about some of these guys we may not have up until this point. So let's go ahead and get started. And the first pick up on the board, of course, everyone knows, is going to be the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Chris, you're going with uh, Kelly Mond. This pick is that is that correct? I, I think I, yeah, I think I'm going to go Kelly Mond. Maybe um, maybe Jamie Newman. I wasn't really <laughs> sure which quarterback I wanted to go here. No, I, honestly, um, as you kind of know, I've had a little debate who I consider the actual top prospect of quarterback this year. I love me some Zach Wilson, um, and I think that he's going to be spectacular. I kind of compare him to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Trevor Lawrence has got all this, you know, the pedigree. Um, he's got the the moxie, I mean, he's, he's had the chance to, you know, has been basically a winner everywhere he's been. Um, so it was really kind of a hard decision for me because I kind of compared him to Andrew Luck. So it was Aaron Rodgers, Andrew Luck. Um, but I want to go with the, the pure physical specimen, six foot six, Trevor Lawrence. Um, I really have to say that I think he fits Urban Meyer's system the best. He, uh, he, he gives you that chance to RPO. Um, he'll probably you know, use his legs and his arm. And I think that's the guy I had to go off the top of my board. Yeah, you know that I love Zach Wilson just as much as you do. But at the end of the day, you have to know that Trevor Lawrence just presents the most upside and, of course, is ready to go day one than any quarterback we've seen since Andrew Luck, frankly, come out into the draft. So there's just really no way around it. So I would agree with that with Trevor Lawrence. So that means... We don't have to spend too much time on that. We we know Trevor Lawrence, his fantasy value. He could be a a sleeper streamer, maybe somebody if you want to take a chance on redraft leagues for 2021 because the, you know, we know he's going to start day one. We know it's going to be a spread type of offense. We know they're going to have to score because their defense is going to be so horrible. And we know he has weapons. He has Robinson. He has DJ Chark. He has Marvin Jones. He has LaVisca Chanel. And you're in a team that's going to be offensively minded driven. Uh, so we we know Trevor Lawrence actually has some sleeper value as potentially a streaming quarterback or maybe somebody who might sneak into our back end of drafts, possibly. We'll get the projections out there during the summer. We'll get a, a harder look at that. And dynasty-wise, we don't need to talk about it because we know that if you're in super flex leagues, he's definitely number one pick. And he could very well be the number one pick even in one quarterback leagues if you still need a quarterback and you're at the number one pick as well. So you know you're going to take him really, really high uh, in dynasty. Is there anything you want to add to that before I move into the next pick? I was just gonna say, I mean, I'm gonna say to Mega Standard Leagues as well. We saw Deshaun Watson kind of let up the, you know, the league when he entered as a rookie and had some spectacular, uh, spectacular run as a rookie. So I wouldn't be surprised if Trevor Lawrence has put up similar numbers in the same division. Uh, they both have kind of the same things where they're dealing with their defenses in the division aren't that great. And I wouldn't be surprised if he puts up some numbers out there. Yeah, I mean, Joe Burrow was good. Justin Herbert, of course, was actually fantastic from a fantasy standpoint. These rookie quarterbacks, they have value. 
And it just kind of goes to reinsure the idea that you must draft quarterback late in your redraft leagues. There's no reason to take a quarterback early. There's too many guys that you can get who can give you top 12 performances on a pretty consistent basis where you can fill out the rest of your roster with running backs and wide receivers. So it just goes to strengthen that point overall. So let's go to the second pick. The New York Jets are on the clock. And what will the New York Jets do? What will they do? Do they buy the smokescreen of the San Francisco 49ers and think, you know, does Robert Salah get duped by his former boss into thinking that Mac Jones is the best quarterback on the... No, no, they don't. They take Zach Wilson. They take Zach Wilson. There's nothing trickery about this. This has been the story since really, I think, pretty much since this process has started in the beginning of March. It looks like they're going to take Zach Wilson. There's no reason they shouldn't take Zach Wilson. He fits that system perfectly. He'll be able to use utilize him in a versatile role, something the Jets' offense is going to need. Because while Corey Davis is a nice option... Denzel Mims, we're still trying to figure out exactly what he's going to be. They have Jameson Crowder, who we know is going to be a nice safety blanket. We still don't know who the running back is going to be. I think they're going to probably wind up drafting somebody. Maybe even in this mock draft, we'll kind of get to that. We'll see later on because it's not going to be Tevin Coleman. Let's be real. It's not going to be LaMichael Perrine. At least I can't imagine it being. Zach Wilson is somebody who is he's not set up in as good of a situation as Trevor Lawrence is to be fantasy relevant in 2021. He'll have his legs. I think there will be some streaming opportunity, but he's not going to be on my radar as far as drafting goes, because there's just not as much there for the New York Jets unless they wow. He's going to be somebody I'd rather pick up and see if that offensive system wows us with his ability and he's able to overcome that. But there's just not as many many pieces in place uh, when it comes to that. But from dynasty standpoint, We've talked about it several times. I don't care that it's a Jets. This is a new regime. There's no coaching staff. I have confidence in them moving forward in the future, and I have confidence in Zach Wilson being a true franchise guy. So I'm taking him. You know, We talked about Trevor Lawrence going 101. I'm fine with taking Zach Wilson 102, just like he will be going in the NFL draft. What do you think? I mean, I can't disagree with any of what you're saying. I think the one thing for me, I'm kind of excited about his opportunity to do have some fantasy, good fantasy games here and there. Um, because I think Jets defense is going to be particularly good. I think that they're going to have to score points, and I think the opportunity to get some garbage yards and garbage points are there. Um, but to your point, I don't know if I can necessarily draft him, or unless I'm going, you know, trying to have a lot of depth at my quarterback position, or like you kind of pointed out, I, I wait till the very last, you know, last couple of rounds of draft to kind of add two or three of them, just to have some options to kind of pick from. Um, so, but other than that, I really can't see Zach Wilson's going to, you know, necessarily light the league up right off the bat. I do like the weapons in place. I think Denzel Bims is a, I, I'm a big fan. Um, I would kind of remind me of Cortland Sutton in a lot of ways. And I think that he's going to actually fit Zach Wilson quite well. Zach Wilson likes to throw jump ball. He's aggressive down the field. And you look at the personnel they have kind of in place. They got a Corey Davis who can kind of do the intermediate stuff. They have Crowder, like you said, is kind of a safety blanket. They have some pieces in place. Decent offensive line. Um, and like I said, I think the defense is going to stink. So they're going to have to score points. But you're still in a division that has pretty good defenses overall. The offensive pretty, defense is pretty good. Um, Patriots defense is still going to be pretty good. Buffalo's defense is pretty good. So he's not going to have a lot of cupcakes he plays against. Um, so I kind of agree with you that that's not a guy I'm necessarily making sure I have in a standard league. But when it comes to long-term drafting for him, yeah, I, I love him in dynasty leagues. 49ers are on the clock. And Chris, where are you going with the San Francisco 49ers? All right. Well, first of all, I just – I have to kind of, in football sense, just trash the fact that the 49ers traded so much draft capital to move up to this third pick. Yeah, you and don't disagree everybody's, here. Yes. Um, everybody's assuming that they're going to take a quarterback, um, and they 
more than likely are definitely going to be. But in my draft, because this is my mock draft, I'm not going that position. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is just fine as a quarterback. I don't think they need to move on. I don't think they necessarily that the quarterbacks in this draft are an upgrade over him. It was the top two picks, maybe. Number three, I love Matt Jones. Is he really that better, much better than Jimmy G? I question that. Um, I think Fields has another year or two for himself, so we kind of hope he wants to be. And Trey Lance, I'm just not a big fan of. So overall, I'm kind of upset with the 49ers making this move. But if I were sitting there at number three and I'm looking at the 49ers team, what they could use, I'm actually going to go Kyle Pitts. Um, whoa, I, whoa, whoa, yeah. hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm not looking to argue with you. I just need to drop something to put some focus on that because if you guys remember, Chris and I had it out what, two weeks ago on this show about Kyle Pitts and his value and what he was worth and what he could be if he was a wide receiver along with Jamar Chase. So very excited to hear the rest of this take. Well, I still rank Jamar Chase as a better receiver than Kyle Pitts. However, the fit for this team, I think Kyle Pitts is the perfect fit for what the 49ers do. We know Mike Shanahan, we know, I'm sorry, not Mike Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan um, loves to run the ball, loves to attack the edges. He likes to be able to use the bootleg actions. Um, and with the receivers they have in place with Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, he likes receivers that can block. So I look at Jamar Cases as coming that maybe he's, would be fit, nice fit for them, but would he be actually properly utilized? I question that. In the offense, what they have with Kittle, who's a great blocker, who can get open all over the field, and at Kyle Pitts, you have the kind of reincarnation of Gronk and, and Aaron Hernandez in a lot of ways. Except for this guy is six foot six, running a four four. Um, you can split him out. You can use a receiver. The 49ers can actually really out physical a lot of teams with this if they go, you know, even start two tight ends or three tight ends in some situations where they can flex them out as their, their sole receiver. They can really create all kinds of mismatches. They're definitely going to be able to attack the edges with this team. And in the red zone, I think they'd be deadly. I think they fit. He complements, like I said, Ayuk well. He complements Samuel well. And he actually provides the stretch ability to stretch the field, which they both they kind of really need. And if I keep Jimmy G as my quarterback and I have two guys who can attack the seams, I think I'm going to be successful. Of all the and offensive the fans, what do you think? Well, I was going to say, of all the offensive systems out there, the one that could definitely be a two tight end set predominant offense and very much succeed is the San Francisco 49ers. We know Kyle Shanahan. I mean, Kendrick Bourne was getting thrown out there as a third receiver all the time. He doesn't care about having a third receiver. And being that George Kittle doesn't have the capacity, at least to this point, to stay actually healthy for an entire season. You don't necessarily lose the entire functionality of your offense when George Kittle goes down. Look, I'm mad that they trade up this much capital too because it ensures that they're definitely going to take a quarterback. But if in the real NFL draft, the 49ers took Kyle Pitts instead and stuck with Jimmy G, I'd be happy. I would. I would be completely happy. I'd be completely fine. And from a fantasy perspective... It'd be quite interesting. Now, from a fantasy perspective, let's let's talk about that a little bit. Both Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski were definitely uh, utilized. We're definitely both top 10 tight ends. We're definitely fantasy relevant in all that sense. But at the time, and I'm trying to remember exactly, but the Patriots, if I remember correctly, only really had one wide receiver that they were going to at that time. The 49ers arguably have two. So the question would be, is there going to be enough targets there to support everybody, or does everybody just kind of take a hit uh, at that at that point? I would tend to think that from a long-term perspective, I would love... I would love Kyle Pitts. I think Kyle Pitts and George Kittle would be completely fine. I think you're still looking at two top, top 10 tight ends, and the offense would be able to sustain that. 
But I think out of Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, one of those two would suffer. My money would be on Debo Samuel being the one who would suffer more so than anybody else. What do you, what do you think about the fantasy standpoint from there? I definitely agree. But I also think, like I said, I think these, these two players, both Kittle and uh, Pitts together, do cause mismatches. And I think they're going to be highly Absolutely. productive fantasy-wise. Um, and I look at the other players in play you're start talking about. Debo Samuel, to me, is the best role is kind of being that Curtis Samuel role where he's kind of utilized in different ways, kind of jet sweeps, quick screens. Um, he's not a great route runner. So I think he, a lot of things he does and brings to the table is just getting the balls in his hands. It's kind of a glorified running game in some senses. Brandon, now you can kind of you know, do a little bit of everything. He can catch the screen. He can go deep. He can run defensive patterns. Um, I think Ayuk doesn't really suffer at all if this was a pick. I do agree Samuel might suffer somewhat. But you look at the 49ers, they don't really utilize their backs a lot in the passing game, particularly early downs. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if they, they could all be effective. Jimmy G will have to play about 20, 25 passes. And it's easy to look at the, both those tight ends and see you can get six, seven targets at both those guys easily. Um, and I think, like I said, I don't think Ayuk necessarily suffers from that. Um, you look, he got fed the ball more when Samuel went down. So we definitely saw him be more productive when Samuel got hurt last year. But overall, I think the only person that might suffer a little bit would be Debo Samuel. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. That is an offense that everybody can still remain fantasy relevant while going to more of a two tight end set. Let's move on to our next pick, which we have on the board. The Atlanta Falcons. What do the Atlanta Falcons do with Arthur Smith taking over? Where do they go? What do they do? I'm going to admit this. Chris, you completely screwed me up because I thought I was going to take the Atlanta Falcons pick. And you took that off the board from me. So I'm going to take Jamar Chase instead. I'm going to give him another weapon. Look, a couple of reasons. One, I actually think this makes sense from an NFL standpoint. Let's say Kyle Pitts was off the board in this instance. Uh, you need a re future replacement for Julio Jones. He has one, maybe two more years left in Atlanta uniform, given the contract, I would say at this point anyway. These three receivers together for at least a year or two. Hoo, 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 hoo. Look out. Look, Matt Ryan would instantly jump into at least my top eight. I, I, could, I couldn't fathom it being any lower than that. And then it doesn't actually, because of the way Matt Ryan distributes the ball, because what I believe Arthur Smith would do with his West Coast concepts, uh, I think all three could actually still be fantasy relevant. We saw Dallas, you know, Dallas, when Dak Prescott was in there, had three fantasy relevant wide receivers. Atlanta could be similar. Jamar Chase, because you can move him inside and outside, he would be versatile with Calvin Ridley and let Julio Jones do his thing on the outside. I mean, it would fit beautifully. And from a fantasy standpoint, while you're maybe thinking to yourself, well, this won't be the best target share in the world for Jamar Chase, I would say, who cares? Because you're going to be talking about an offense. One, the team is going to have zero defense whatsoever. You're playing in a high-powered scoring division. You're going to have to put up a ton of points. You're playing in a dome for majority of the year, not to mention you get to play the Saints in their dome as well at least once a year or two that tack on that extra ninth game or however that's going to work now. That's actually a good question. we got to get into the NFL schedule and their 17 games and how that's going to work. Who's going to get that extra home game away game? We'll have to find that out when the NFL schedule comes up. Now I'm thinking about it now. But you're going to have all that in place. So this is a team that's going to have to score, put up a lot of points on the turf. And here's something that I don't think people really want to give Arthur Smith credit for. He was run first because he had Derrick Henry. Now, I'm not saying this guy is not going to try to abandon the running game by any stretch of the means. I think he ultimately he would like to at least be balanced. But if your team is Julio Jones, Jamar Chase, Calvin Ridley, Matt Ryan, and your running backs are Mike Davis and whoever, Brian Hill, 
Uh, I, I'm pretty sure he's going to put the ball in Matt Ryan's hands. So I'm not overly concerned about that part of it either. Uh, so I'm going to go Jamar Chase with the Atlanta Falcons. What do you think? I mean, I love, love that pick for the Falcons. You talk about a guy who not only would basically, kind of like you're talking about Dallas, play the CD Lamb role where he can play inside, outside. He takes the top off. You can't double Julio. Um, and you have a replacement for Julio when he's bound to get hurt at some point. So I think you have a guy that we looked at last year. The, the Falcons seem to always miss that third receiver. Uh, Russell Gage has like flashes. The different guys have flashes that third receiver. Um, Matt Ryan, the, Matt Ryan throws the ball to his slot receivers. He'll throw it to different guys. So I think there's an opportunity for them to all to be productive. Um, and I think that when you look at the offense in place that they have, you talk about Arthur Smith. I think he's highly adaptable. That's why I, I'm really happy about the hire for Atlanta. I don't think he's everybody assumes because what he did in Tennessee is what he's going to be. But we kind of see guys kind of change their you know, schemes and things according to the players they have. I think he's fantastic at that. Um, and you look at that, the ability to line up those guys anywhere. Julio can line up in the slot. Ridley can line up in the slot. Chase can line up in the slot. you got an opportunity to get mismatches all over the field. And there's no reason um, in my mind, especially today's offense, today's offenses, where everybody's trying to spread it out around a little bit more. And that the, all these guys can be highly productive. Uh, I love that pick. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's move on to your pick now. The Cincinnati Bengals are on the clock. Joe Burrow is coming back. Actually, we got some news today that Joe Burrow is actually on schedule as of now to be back by week one, which is really incredible in and of itself. Uh, but who are you going to give him? We're talking about the Falcons having three weapons. How about we give Joe Burrow three weapons, and I take Jalen Waddle. Um, I think that he fits with T. Higgins and, and Ross perfectly. We, I mean, not Ross. Um, with Boyd T. Higgins perfectly. and Tyler Boyd. Yeah, with Boyd perfectly. Um, they lost Ross, as I was trying to get to. Yes. And he was their kind of their guy who helped stretch the field. He had some big games early in the season last year. We kind of forget about you know, He had a little run there. He did some decently. I think Jalen Waddle's by far way better of a receiver than oh, yeah. he ever was going to be. Um, and you give somebody the, an opportunity to have all kinds of weapons. And let's not forget, Joe Mixon comes back and healthy. Yeah, they need offensive line help, but if we're we're doing our fantasy draft right now, we're right. sticking on the playmakers. You look at Adam Waddle that offense; each piece almost fits perfectly. You have Higgins, your red zone target, your big guy, the go get it guy. You have Boyd, your slot receiver, and you have Waddle, your do everything guy, who's going to be able to beat anybody deep that he faces. I love it, um, and like I said, it also keeps people from putting eight in the box against Joe Mixon. That offense would be highly potent. I mean, it's the same conversation we could really have about the Atlanta Falcons. They draft Jamar Chase. Joe Burrow's value goes through the roof. You have three productive wide receivers, which, again, another situation where you have a terrible defense in a good division where they're going to have to come back from behind quite a bit. The volume will be there from a target standpoint. Joe Mixon, again, won't have eight guys in the box, and he'll be able to be terrific, especially now that I don't have to worry about Gio Bernard. So he might actually get thrown the ball in the first four games of the season, unlike the last two years, annoyingly enough. Uh, yeah, that's that, that's a great pick there. Jalen Waddle to the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, we can mention in real life, um, I do think the Bengals would be incredibly stupid if they did not take Penny Sewell there's been a lot of people talking about, you know, should they take Jamar Chase? I'm, even Jamar Chase is on the board. They got to take Soul. You got to up, keep upgrading that offensive line. You have to protect your investment in Joe Burrow, which you'd fail to do last season already. So that would be dumb in the real NFL draft. From a fantasy standpoint, again, I know a lot of people are probably looking at this and like we're drafting weapons on, on top of weapons uh, in these situations. Are they going to get their target share? But these are situations where these offenses could be so highly potent 
then it doesn't matter. Do you care if the Kansas City Chiefs add another weapon to their team? Is it going to shy you away from taking that person? No, it doesn't, because the offense is going to be terrific in that situation. So I love that pick for Jalen Waddell. That's who I was going to go with Miami Dolphins. If you didn't take that pick, although I kind of figured that you would. But let's bring us up to the Dolphins being on the clock. And there's a number of ways that I'm thinking about going here. I am ultimately going to go with Tua Tagalavoa's old teammate. I'm going to take the other Alabama receiver. I'm going to take Devonta Smith here. And while I have Rashad Bateman ranked ahead, it's because of how Devonta Smith would fit in this offense with what they have in place. Because I do believe in Preston Williams. Now, whether he can stay healthy or not, that's a question I can't answer. We, we, we have to see it. On the idea that he can still turn around because he's he's young enough to do so, you have Preston Williams, you have Devontae Parker, you have Will Fuller. I think most people agree that Will Fuller will be gone next season. I don't see him resigning in Miami. Now, maybe they let Parker go and they want up being able to resign Fuller as an extent to that. One of those two will be gone next year. One of the two. Preston Williams, you know, whether he gets hurt or not because of his rookie contract, he'll still be there at least one more year. So you bring in Devonta Smith, who to be your slot guy, because it's the one thing they don't have. They don't have anybody who's a slot receiver. Preston Williams, Devonte Parker, Will Fuller. I mean, they can move these guys around, but no one's a slot receiver. And I think Devonta Smith. I think he needs to at least start his NFL career playing the slot until he's able to, you know, work up the fundamentals he needs with his hands to be more combative to be able to get off the line of scrimmage. We found out today. Because he did, he weighed in on a uh, a medical you know situation. He only came in at 166 pounds. That's it. 166 pounds is all he weighed in on this medical uh, physical that he took. That came out today. You have to play the slot. I don't care if you're six feet tall. You gotta play, you gotta play the slot at least to start off. But he is a smooth route runner. He does do a little bit of everything. And pairing up with his old teammate into attack of Lavoa. I think this pays dividends in the long run. Now, this won't help them, I believe, from a redraft standpoint, especially if Preston Williams is healthy. It'll it'll be too many too many guys in the pot, and this isn't a team that likes to sling the ball a ton, and they do have a good defense, so they're not going to have a lot of garbage time points. But this would be, from a dynasty standpoint, I think a great matchup for the next few years to come where Devonta Smith is going to find himself probably in a year or two being the number one target on this team. So where are you at on that? I mean, I think you make an excellent point. I also have Bateman higher on my board, but I think that Smith fits what they do better and what the personnel they have in place better. Um, I don't think that the Dolphins necessarily need to have an alpha. They have kind of a, a nice mix of guys that can fill different roles. I think he feels that fits that role, like you said, in the slot. I, I think he can play on the outside. Um, Deshaun Jackson is up buck 66. He played on the outside for most of his career. I don't think he has to necessarily play pigeonhole these guys. But having said that, Devonta Smith is a great route runner. He can stretch the field. And I think that Bateman's more – he kind of showed last year when he tried to put him in the slot, he's not as effective there. Um, I think Smith will be just as effective no matter where you put him on the field, particularly you do put him in the slot. And I think he kind of pairs better with the players they have in, in place. Um, I agree with you that I don't know if Will Fuller is there for the long run, but even if he was there for the long run, look at those different guys, those four receivers, they all complement each other very well. Um, you, ha- you have kind of replacements for guys in sense as well. If Parker was to get hurt, Preston Williams would step and kind of fill his role up. Uh, if Will Fuller was to get hurt, which he always does, um, you have, you know, Smith can kind of fill his role. So these guys can actually have their own roles, but also be able to kind of back up the other player as well. I like it. I like it. Let's go to who's next on the clock. 
The Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions are on the clock. What is Chris going to do with the seven pick in the NFL fantasy only mock draft? So this one was a tough one for me. Um, most of the players that I like as high as up here are off the board. But what I think it's obvious is Detroit needs upgraded receiver. Who um, they? While they could definitely consider another quarterback, I think Jared Goff and the contract kind of gives him at least a year, maybe two years to kind of prove himself in some senses. Um, if you want to have a chance to even see what Jared Goff has to bring to the table, you have to bring in somebody else other than the garbage they have out there, Terrence Williams and Geronimo Allison, all kinds of other well, crap. His best receiver right can't be TJ Hawkins and DeAndre Swift. That yeah, much exactly. is for sure. Um, so I talked about Bateman thinking, I think he's an alpha and a number, number one receiver. I'm going with Bateman with uh, Rashad Bateman with my number one that pick for Detroit. I think that he is a lot of ways DeAndre Hopkins in my mind. He's able to get run the short routes, the deeper routes. Um, his explosiveness isn't off the off the charts, but he ran a great 40. And then one of the things he's really good at already is has all the veteran tricks of getting off the line. You can't really play press coverage against him. Um, he's a true outside receiver in a lot of ways. He kind of showed that last year he wasn't as effective in the slot. I think he fits what they're looking for in a lot of ways. We saw Keenan Allenbury be very effective in the Charger system with Anthony Lynn. We saw you know, Michael Thomas and other kind of receivers like that. Um, you know, go back Michael, um, Marquise Colston back in the day for the Saints. Those bigger, tall receivers who can kind of get open and get separation, usually effective in those kinds of offenses. And I think that's where I would go with this pick. Yeah, I like it. I mean, Rashad Bateman, to me, profiles out to be quite similar to a Michael Thomas. Uh, so I could very much see him in that same mold. And unlike the other guys we've talked about at this point where we're just adding weapons on top of weapons, Rashad Bateman, redraft, you go to Detroit Lions, guess what? You are the number one receiver by default. Whether you're the number one target or not will be something to be seen, but you'll be right up there. If not the number one target on the team, you'll be number two target on the team. He'll have redraft value right off the bat. I talked about before how Rashad Bateman is my Justin Jefferson of this draft. If he goes to Detroit, if he were to go to Detroit, he would certainly be the Justin Jefferson of this draft because the target, the volume would just be there. He has the most complete route tree, really, of any wide receiver outside of Jamar Chase, in my opinion, quite frankly, and he will be fed all over the field as a result. And you talk about a team has a terrible defense playing against good teams in their division that they're going to have to score points. Detroit, Detroit, Detroit. Look, say what you want about Jared Goff. Robert Woods and Cooper Cup are just fine fantasy value-wise, so I'm not worried about him being able to sustain value, especially when you're talking about Rashad Bateman, TJ Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift would literally be his three most targeted weapons out there on the field. Doesn't worry me at all. So I'm with you 100% on that pick and what that could mean for Rashad Bateman from a fantasy standpoint. And then dynasty-wise, it would be fantastic too because even when they... We, they move on from Jared Goff. It's going to be, you know, another rookie quarterback somewhere down the line. But no matter what, Bateman will probably be the number one target for at least a few years to come. So you have the volume again to count on along with the complete receiver that you're getting in Rashad Bateman. I just hope for his sake, it doesn't turn into another Roy Williams, Mike Williams, Calvin Johnson situation where these receivers go there. They're great and never get the win because of Detroit Lions. Although I will say, this is probably the best coaching staff that they've hired in a long time. We talked about that in our last episode. You guys can go check it out on your favorite streaming apps, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you like to go, or check us out on YouTube uh, to replay the video. 
We talked about this coaching staff change and how excited we are about it and how well these personalities mold with it. He's got not just the personalities, but these guys are developers. That's what they do. They develop. They teach the game. So I'm excited for any offensive weapon that could wind up on the Detroit Lions. Uh, do you have anything to add to that? No, I think that's a great point. Uh, one thing I think about Bateman also has a nice advantage playing in Detroit would be he's a willing blocker. We kind of see Anthony Lynn likes to have you know run the ball and be kind of more of a, a physical team. Dan Campbell would be a physical team. But when you have Swift and you have Hawkinson, you have a team that has three guys who you can kind of talk primarily be your alphas in your offense. You have a running back that you can check down the ball, look for, you have a tight end to attack the middle, and you have a guy who can run the entire route tree. I think it's a good fit. Let's go to the Carolina Panthers. They're on the clock. You actually put me in a tough situation. There's only so many ways to go here. So I'm going to make it interesting. They're going to cover up for their Sam Darnold mistake. And unfortunately, they're going to take Trey Lance. Because they're going to look at this as a situation where Sam Darnold has to start this year. Because if nothing else, if he does well, then you can trade him off and sell him off for more than you trade him for. So you get Trey Lance for the long haul, a dual threat guy for the Carolina Panthers that Matt Roll and Joe Brady can groom. While, in my opinion, honestly, Sam Darnold inevitably flames out because he's not that good to begin with. So... Trey Lance, this is purely would be dynasty only, obviously. He would not start this year, which would be the best thing for Trey Lance, actually, which is kind of why I make the pick here because the only situation I could see him winding up in where he actually gets to sit as long as he's supposed to, which is at least a full season. <laughs> he has to. So the Carolina Panthers, I have taking Trey Lance in our fantasy theoretical draft. Go ahead, Chris. Do you want me to hit the alarm button for you? I can see the yeah, because I hate that thing. <laughs> Go ahead. I understand the premise that you think Sam Donald has that opportunity. Um, but I look what happened with the Miami Dolphins and Josh Rosen situation. They gave up some draft capital. Josh Rosen didn't necessarily get the keys to the car right off the bat. Um, I think there's no reason that they don't take Mac Jones. You look at Joe Brady's offense. You look at the success Joe Burrow had in that offense in LSU. I think Mac Jones translates a lot like Joe Burrow does. Maybe not quite as athletic. But I think it was a great touchable, catchable ball. He throws to the spots. He has McCaffrey come out of the backfield. He had different years he could target. I think Mac Jones, for me, would be my pick. I wouldn't worry about Sam Darnold, you know, his pride or whatever. If he's a better quarterback, he wins the job. If he's not, he loses the job. I wouldn't necessarily risk my future um, trying try to take a guy who I think is a reach in the first place. I don't think Trey Lance is in a first-round talent necessarily. So, yeah, I hate that pick. I'm sorry. I'm glad you mentioned Joe Brady because this is why I made the pick. Not basing it off what Joe Brady wants. Joe Brady's going to be a head coach next year somewhere else in 2022. I'm basing it off of Matt Rule. I'm basing it off he brought his guy, P.J. Walker, from Temple, who's a dual-threat guy. I'm basing it off of they want to move back to that type of offense where they have that kind of RPO action with their quarterback, with their running back. That's why they, they could have joked Justin Fields, too, but because I think Justin Fields put more pressure on them in this situation to play more early on, you give Sam Darnold the full year to see if you could turn him into a trade asset or not. But you go with Trey Lance, who is the Matt Rule type of guy, not the Joe Brady type of guy. Come on, Ben. Come on in. 
let's 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 weigh in on this. What do you got, Ben? I'm gonna agree with Dan on this one. I think Trey Lance is a better system fit. Um, I do like Mac Jones more as an overall prospect, but just in the system that he's going to, I think that Trey Lance is an overall better better fit. You get to come back in the fall now, Ben. Got it, Chris. What were you gonna say? <laughs> I said I just want to ask how often did Teddy Bridgewater run? And he talked about Walker. Did he, he have lots of rushing yards in the offense? I mean, last it, year? it wasn't designed around him running, but he did sucker down and scramble. When PJ Walker came in, they designed an RPO action around him. And how many yards rushing did he average? Because I was maybe 15, 20. I, I didn't see the offense. But using again, you're the missing the key point of my argument. I'm not basing this on Joe Brady being 30. the offensive coordinator for long. Okay. I'm just saying. It's all theoretical. It's all I understand. theoretical. I understand. Let's go to the next pick. We have the Denver Broncos. Chris, what are they yeah. doing? The Denver Broncos. We, I think, I know where you're going to go with this one. The Denver Broncos didn't even wait for the clock to expire. They ran up to the podium as fast as they could and said, "Please, thank you, God, for giving us Mac Jones. Thank you, thank you, thank you. This is all we need." Talk about a system fit, Pat Shermer is the king of getting guys open, especially under immediate routes and short routes. He's the king of guy, passing quarterbacks. And you have a guy who has those kind of weapons around him with a Noah Fant, Cortland Sutton, Hamler, um, Jerry, Jeremy Jr. who still thinks going to be a superstar in this league at some point. You give him those kinds of weapons. We've already seen what Matt Jones could do when he has weapons. I think that's a perfect fit. The Broncos would be spectacular. And the playoffs, I mean the playoffs, I'm sorry, but fantasy-wise, this year, I think they could actually make the playoffs and be a fantasy team um, very relevant because I think Matt Jones is the perfect person for that position for the meet their, what they're looking to do. They have the weapons. They want to kind of compete with the Chiefs. They're trying to you know, be a team that can score lots of points. Um, we know Drew Locke's super inconsistent. That's pretty much has been the issue for their offense in general. They scored like 16 points, I think, well, nine, out of, you know, nine out of 14 of his starts last year. Um, there's no way I would just not pass on Matt Jones right there. So you should be sending me a fruit basket because one of the big reasons I took Trey Lance the last pick was so you could take Mac Jones. We could talk about him on Denver. Because, look, if the 49ers don't take Mac Jones, I think there's a chance he could wind up on Denver. And I agree with every single thing you're saying about Mac Jones. Because how is this going to be different than the situation he just left in Alabama where he has weapons left and right? You have one-on-one man reads everywhere. And Pat Shermer who made Case Keenum look like a stud for a season. And Daniel Jones. And Daniel Jones. What do you think he's going to be able to do with Mac Jones? A guy who could actually throw a legitimate deep ball accurately with those type of weapons. This team, if they had a Mac Jones, this team would be not just playoff ready, but you could make the argument they would be Super Bowl ready. And I'm not saying that because I'm a big Mac Jones fan. Even if you think he's just above average, because of what they have in place on the offense and defensive side of the ball. Is that why that would be true? And then let's add in the fact that all this, all this love, we have all this love for Cortland Sutton. We have all this love for Jerry Judy. We have all this love this year, at least for Melvin Gordon, because of the volume that he may be looking at, because they got rid of Philip Lindsay and then bring anybody of significance in. Mac Jones spreads the ball out. We saw that when he has the multiple weapons, the first five weeks of the season, when he had Jalen Wild, they were both getting fed. So everyone gets to eat, and it's not Drew Locke throwing them the ball. You don't have to worry about that downfall game because the quarterback couldn't get the ball to the receiver. That goes away. It goes away. Mac Jones to the Denver Broncos is what they need. Unfortunately, 
we'll throw this in here. From what I'm hearing from an NFL standpoint, they only have interest in Justin Fields and Trey Lance. Now, maybe part of that is because they're sold on the idea that Mac Jones is going to the 49ers at three. That, that may be the case. But it would be a real shame that Mac Jones wouldn't be on their radar if he were to slide past the San Francisco 49ers. This next pick is going to be kind of difficult for me because you know they're already pretty loaded in every fantasy position you could possibly think of. But the Dallas Cowboys are on the clock here. So where do they go? Their only need here from a fantasy standpoint would be a tight end, but there is no reality within the Marvel multiverse of which I would take Pat Freermith, who would be my second-rated tight end here, to the Dallas Cowboys. There's, there's, there's no way. No chance. So instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the guy who's not going to replace Michael Gallup, but is going to ensure that CeeDee Lamb can replace Michael Gallup. I'm going to go Rondale Moore here for the Dallas Cowboys. Let him slide in. C.D. Lamb, again, this wouldn't be a redraft situation at all, but from a dynasty standpoint, everyone knows the Cowboys offense is going to be great for years to come. Now they've been able to lock down Dak Prescott. You have C.D. Lamb and Mari Cooper for at least two more seasons before you can even think about getting out of that contract. Michael Gallup is probably going to be gone after this season. C.D. Lamb kicks back out to the outside where Michael Gallup is, and then all of a sudden, here comes Rondale Moore to be the weapon that he is. And if you put Rondale Moore in that situation where he's only going to have one-on-ones every time out because you have to worry about Amari Cooper, you have to worry about C.D. Lamb, you have to worry about Ezekiel Elliott, Dak Prescott, who I do think is a very accurate quarterback who throws with anticipation, will be able to hit a guy like Rondale Moore in stride. Yeah, I'm all about that pick. Where are you at, Chris? I mean, I think that's a great point. Um, we've seen we've seen Dallas dabble with guys who like the Tavon Austins of the world, even Whitehead a couple of years ago. They like to have the guy can do the jet sweep action and kind of keep you honest, and they can you kind of attack you different ways. I think he fits Dallas's perfectly. He also allows CD Lamb not to return kicks, which I think is preferable. I think CD's explosive returner, but you want him to kind of be your you know your go to guy moving forward. And that was an insurance for Gallup. I think it's also an insurance for Cooper. You sign Cooper, but you're not guaranteed you're going to keep him too much longer because he's he's getting paid quite top dollar. Dallas has a lot of cap, you know, considerations to go make moving forward, especially with Dak's contract. Um, I think Ronald Moore is kind of that insurance policy that you have kind of in your back pocket, where we have our playmakers loaded and we have multiple playmakers that we can attack you from all over the field. And in the meantime, we have a guy who can actually turn kicks and we can use in a lot of gadget plays. Um, we saw Pollard kind of used utilized differently and kind of used more and more last year. Why not have Ronald Moore be that kind of guy? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. This is fun doing a theoretical dance along here. Let's go into the other NFC East team that gets on the board on this one. We got the New York Giants up on the clock. Chris, what do you do? What does Dave Gettleman or yourself do with the New York Giants right here at 11? So I'm deciding that with how the draft's unfolding, I've had my fill of Daniel Jones, and I'm going to go with Justin oh. Fields as the quarterback oh. position. Oh, oh, I love it. I love seems- it. I hate Daniel Jones. Goodbye. Good. <laughs> now, there seems to be this narrative that the Giants need to add another playmaker beside what they added in Galladay. I'm a Darius Slayton fan. I think that Darius Slayton, Shepard, and Galladay – or a nice trio that you can kind of you can be very successful with. I think it was holding them back in a lot of ways, other than Jason Garrett, obviously, is um, the quarterback play. I'm not a big Daniel Jones fan. 
Um, and I don't think that when you look at what the Giants can do with having Fields and adding a Saquon Barkley, Saquon becomes even more explosive. You and I have talked about this in the past where when you have a mobile quarterback, it almost guarantees that running back has almost a, almost a yard per extra per touch um, because the guys can't play in the box. They have to respect the RPO action. We see that a lot with Baltimore. Um, I think Justin Fields would fit that offense perfectly. And because I'm not a big Jason Garrett fan, he doesn't need to necessarily be creative to be able to make him successful. Dak Prescott was successful on Jason Garrett. Um, so it's a kind of, I see a lot of similar skill sets, especially coming out early in the year. Dak Prescott wasn't, you know, what he is now, but he was able to kind of move his, use his legs, make a first read, and kind of throw the ball in where he needed to be. I think Fields kind of fits that mold. If he was to play right off the bat as well, I think he'd be productive. Um, I don't know if he would, but he necessarily would start right off the bat. It would be kind of interesting to talk about Sam Darnold and his, you know, what we would do there with that quarterback, the Jets pick. But for me, the Giants, it's time to upgrade a quarterback. If Justin Fields was to go to the New York Giants and was to start from day one, when it comes to the rookie quarterbacks from a redraft perspective, I would be drafting him over everybody. He would be my number one redraft rookie quarterback that I would be taking off the board. And I would have to seriously consider in dynasty leagues taking him one spot ahead of Zach Wilson just because of the immediate return that you would possibly see from a fantasy standpoint and what it could prolong too. because you're going to have Kenny Galladay for a few years. You could have Sterling Shepard for a few years. You're going to have Darius Slayton for a few years. Evan Ingram, Saquon Barkley, the weapons would be there. The only drawback would be Jason Garrett, but because of his playmaking ability from a fantasy standpoint, I would not be too concerned about it. Justin Fields could be my number two quarterback off the board in a dynasty league if you were to go to New York Giants. That's how much I love that pick. Trying to speed things up here. Let's go to the Philadelphia Eagles on the clock. And the Eagles could go a number, a number of ways in the real draft. And they actually need, you know, fantasy players uh, in, in real life on top of everything else. So when I look at this team, I mean, really, all the guys that they could really use are off the board. I mean, they could really use Rashad Bateman type. They need a number one guy. Uh, they need playmakers. I'm going to go in a particular direction here. I'm going to have them redo the Jalen Rager pick for a guy who does what Jalen Rager does, but actually does it at an elite level, at a good level, and would actually be productive at it. It's Elijah Moore. Taking Elijah Moore here with everybody else off the board. I'm giving the receiver. I'm giving the guy who's a shorter receiver, but an actual legitimate deep threat because he has actual legitimate elite speed. Not the best route runner, but neither is Jalen Rager. You need a guy to be a weapon to, take, to stretch the field out so that RPO action with Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders actually has a chance to work and that underneath throws to Dallas Goddard. Elijah Moore comes in as the number one receiver right off the bat for the Philadelphia Eagles while he doesn't run enough crisp routes yet that I'd be all over him in redraft leagues, talking about best ball leagues for 2021, a guy who would take as a wide receiver four to pop in certain matchups, a DFS guy, he'll have some value in 2021. And I would love it from a dynasty standpoint because he will be the number one receiver for at least a year, if not two, for the Philadelphia Eagles. What do you think about Elijah Moore? I mean, he's better than Greg Lewis. Um, no, <laughs> I think, I think no. You talk, I talked about Charles Fulcom and, and some of the receivers they've had on that team. I think it kind of actually complements Rager in a lot of ways. I don't think Rager is necessarily a slot receiver. I think he should be playing on the outside. He's more of a stretch field guy, more of like a, a you know catching the screens kind of thing. He's not necessarily a guy who runs great route, crisp routes. I think Elijah Moore fits. He can't do anything well. Go ahead. Well, I know you hate Rager. Um, <laughs> but I will say that 
Elijah Moore does fit their offense quite well, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, he'll be able to attack you from the slot. He's one of the more explosive receivers out there in the draft. Um, he's able to get separation. He, while you said his routing definitely can improve, I, I agree with that. But when he gets the ball in his hands, this guy makes people miss. Um, he's hard to bring down. And I think that team, when you have Jalen Hurts, you kind of see a team that has um, a player. Marquise Brown has success with Jalen Hurts. I think you have some guys who you know, don't have to be taller necessarily for Jalen Hurts to be able to find you, especially underneath the routes and closer routes. I think this guy could be really successful that offense, and I don't hate on that pick. Um, I might have gone different direction just because there's the other players I do hate on the Eagles more so, but I think so that they definitely would be happy to have Elijah Moore in their slot. Let's go to our next pick on the board. We got the Chargers. What do the Chargers do in a all-fantasy draft, Chris? So this is getting a little tougher because we're now starting to get farther into our This is, this is where this gets we... interesting. This is where this theoretical practice really puts our fantasy draft knowledge to the test. Absolutely. Um, so for me, what I'm looking at, I think they need to upgrade the, the receiver position. I'm not a huge Terrence Marshall fan. I'm not a big Tony fan. So I'm going to kind of skip over both those guys and maybe shock the roll a bit. And I'm going to go um, Wallace from Oklahoma State. I think that he seems to be a receiver that a lot of people have kind of slept on. Going into the year, this guy was considered one of the top receivers. Now, because he didn't play, suddenly it's like he can't play anymore. Um, a lot of guys have, have this kind of knack on, or his knock on, I must just say, from the COVID and not playing and whether or not they were just, you know, they sit on their butts the whole time not playing football. These guys were preparing to play in the league. And he showed in his 40, showed in his combine. I'm sorry, not the combine because I don't have that anymore. But his, his pro day, um, that he was very explosive that he is definitely in shape. And he's a guy that I think is a, a big-time playmaker. He, The only thing I will say about this one is that he's going to have to play the slot, I believe, in the NFL. And if he does that, that really takes away from what Justin Jefferson does back, best, which is being able to move him inside and out. So I do wonder what that Keenan does Allen. for mm -hmm. Justin Jefferson. Oh, I'm sorry. Why am I thinking about the Minnesota Vikings? You're right. You're right. You're right. Yes. No, it would work out fine. Completely fine. No, it was Keenan Allen. It was still, it's still the same premise, still, you know, revolves around Keenan Allen. His best thing is to be able to move him inside and out. So I just kind of wonder a little bit about what that would do to him. Uh, as far as I don't think they would take a receiver that would step on the toes of a Keenan Allen, quite frankly. So that would be my only retort to that. However, this like I said, this is a theoretical practice here. So we are looking at different values in different places. But the other thing why I don't like that pick is because he doesn't replace Mike Williams either. He's too he's too similar to what they already have. So I'm not about that pick, actually. The more and more, more I think about it. not not with the Chargers, though. I like you bringing up Wallace as a sleeper because I'm with you, where a lot of these guys who did not play in 2020 are getting knocked unrationally, plain and simple. And, and it's really it's really a shame. And Wallace is one of those guys. But this is not a fit where I think he would have the fantasy value immediately or even dynasty down in the future. Well, I'm a little confused. So you think that they have to move on from Mike Williams? And he should I should show for more of a replacement for Mike Williams? Is that what you're explaining to me? Because I look at their offense and how it's constituted. Keenan Allen likes to line up in the slot, likes to line up in the outside. He's been a receiver that's been you know kind of the Reggie Wayne type where he can be used all over the field. Mike Williams is primary an outside receiver. They don't have an explosive receivers in their offense. And I look what's available to me. I think that Wallace is the most explosive receiver available still on the board. So that's why I think he's a good fit. We saw Jalen Guyton do stuff. 
Wallace can't get off the line. I, Wallace does not project as an outside perimeter wide receiver to me in any capacity. That's why I say I think he has to play the slot, which is why you're, he's either replacing Mike Williams or playing on the opposite side of Mike Williams, and I don't think he'd be a good fit there. I don't think he would be a good fantasy fit there at all. I think he has to go to a team where he's going to be allowed to play the slot position. Otherwise, I question how good of a career he could ever possibly have. That's what I'm saying to you. Okay. So we'll move on to talk about the Vikings now, who I had on the brain apparently already going along with Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. I'm going to have the Vikings take their future Adam Thielen, or at least an attempt, I should say, at their future Adam Thielen. I'm going to have them take Tamarian Terry. I'm going to have them take Tamarian Terry. Take that big guy who's really good at contested catches, who's going to be really good, I think, in the red zone. Now, I do have a lot of questions when it comes to Tamarian Terry, and the biggest one being I question his separation. But Adam Thielen doesn't get a ton of separation. They scheme him open. And he does what he does best, which is get the ball in the end zone. That's what Tamari Terry is going to do. This would be a dynasty fantasy value situation. This would not be a redraft situation. But he could be the guy who fills in the shoes for Adam Thielen while Justin Jefferson gets to operate as the number one target for years to come. What do you think? I mean, I think you make a point. First of all, this is one of my big sleepers. I love this kid. I think that he has... He's a tall receiver, and quite often tall receivers get knocked that they're not explosive enough or they can't do things with the ball when they get their hands, the ball in their hands. I heard the same knock about Cortland Sutton. Watch his feet. This guy can get open. He can catch screens. He can make big plays. He can attack the ball down the field as well. I think he's, I think he's got a lot of untapped potential in a lot of ways because Florida State's quarterback play has been atrocious. Their offensive play calling has been atrocious as well, and he's still produced. We saw Kim Akers kind of explode into the scene last year especially being free from the horrible Florida State team. Um, I think that Terrain Terrain has a chance to do something very similar. I think that the only thing I was a little, I was a little disappointed when he wasn't quite as tall as I thought he was supposed to be when he didn't actually have his measurables. But this guy is explosive. He can catch the ball. He's a long strider. I love that pick for the Vikings. And I think you don't think SI replaced Adam Thielen early on. He's another guy that can actually stretch the field. Jefferson's good. Thielen's good. They don't have anybody kind of the deep threat, so to speak, in the Vikings right now. I think he kind of fits that role. Well, I don't know. I don't think Tamarian Terry is a deep threat. I don't think he gets quite the separation. He's a jump ball wide receiver. I don't think he's necessarily a deep threat type of wide receiver. So I do think it would be a dynasty perspective, not a redraft perspective. I don't think he fits great with both of them out there, but there's a replacement for Adam Thielen. And yes, I can hear the people out there screaming, why didn't I pick Terrace Marshall? Uh, Terrace Marshall's drops the ball way too much for me. We will take him later on, don't you worry, but not for the Minnesota Vikings. Let's get on to the next pick. New England Patriots are on the clock. Where do you have the Patriots going, Chris? Well, we seem to try to – we've kind of got it much much left on the board right now. Um, so let me think about what I would try to do. Only halfway through. We have a lot of sleepers to get to. There are some decent players on the board here. The Patriots could go in a wide receiver direction. I just mentioned you know, guys that we were not high on but could go in this position as well. We're running back, you don't believe Damian Harris is the guy or will ever be able to take over, but we know the Patriots from the backfield perspective is always a nightmare. We've pretty much taken all the quarterbacks off the board except for one that I could think of that maybe we could fit, but you maybe not want to take him that high. There's a number of ways the Patriots could go here from this all-fantasy mock draft. What do you think? While I'm not a big Terrence Marshall fan, I do think he kind of fits with a, a lot of things that the Patriots are missing. Um, they like, like to have a bus first round wide receivers. No, I'm sorry, no, it was too, no, too no, easy. No, I can't. I can't. It's it too easy. But um, no, I look at a guy who can is a primary slot receiver. 
Um, he can go up and get the ball. I think if Cam Newton's going to be your quarterback this year, you're looking for a guy who's going to be able to attack the ball, you're looking for a guy who can actually get you some touchdowns. Uh, Marshall, can. why I don't like his drops, I don't think he runs great routes. He can attack the seam. He has scored 20 touchdowns over the last two seasons um, and not even been the prime guy that's kind of featured in that offense. So I think we look at the Patriots, they're kind of missing. They're missing a guy who can kind of stretch the field, can lap in the outside and the inside. And they have the Jimmy Smith. They have Hunter Henry. So I think this guy's the kind of guy I would look at. He does fit that well because, look, Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, kind of the same receiver at the end of the day. They don't have a guy who just be an attacker, who be a, a red zone kind of guy that King could throw the ball up to <laughs> and feel confident in going after. Uh, he's way better than Nikhil Harry. I'll say that much. I think he's way better than Nikhil Harry, even without this theoretical process. So he does bring that to the table, especially what they need. They need a down the field threat guy. They need a red zone guy. Terrace Marshall could come in right away. And he would have some fantasy value interest. He would be a bit touchdown dependent, probably in my estimation for 2021. But it would be something that definitely worth in that situation. So definitely something to kind of keep an eye out on. We're going to take a quick break, come back on the other side. We're going to have to speed it up in the second half of the draft. We can get to the mailbag segment, but here we'll be right back on the worldwide sports radio network, WWSRN. It's the worldwide sports radio network. You're listening to the MD's fantasy football show on the worldwide sports radio network. Welcome back into the show, MD Nation. You are listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN, also presented to you by Belly Up Sports. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, joined here with Chris Dowhower. We have Ben, our intern, in the background. He'll be on a little bit later in the mailbag segment. Coming up later on in this segment, we are going over our all-fantasy first-round mock draft, a really cool theoretical uh, practice that we are putting into today. We'll be able to talk about some sleepers, but also talk about these players in specific locations and what we think their fantasy value would be if they fell into these situations at some point during the draft, even if it wasn't during the first round. Let's get into the Arizona Cardinals. They are on the clock, and the Arizona Cardinals have a number of ways I think they can actually go, but you know what we haven't taken yet, Chris? We haven't taken a running back yet. And you know what? I know they just signed James Conner, and you know what? I don't care. They sent him to a one-year deal. They've proven time and time again they are not comfortable with Chase Edmonds actually being the guy. Otherwise, you wouldn't have seen James Conner in there for a one-year contract. So, I'm going with the guy. Maybe he doesn't have redraft value. Maybe it's a Cam Akers situation where he takes on the second half of the season. Or maybe you have to wait till 2022. But I'm taking a guy who I think fits their system, what they actually want to run. While he's not the number one running back on my board, I am going with Travis Etienne in this spot. He fits the outside zone scheme that they like to do. He's more of the explosive type of running back they want to have, which has been made clear, or that Kenyon Drake type who was successful for a period of time. Even last year, you could argue, if he wasn't dealing with that knee injury that he had all season long, was in a position to be much more successful than he wound up being. CTN, I think, if he had the draft capital, this wouldn't happen in real life, but if he had draft capital in the second round or, or first round, he would be given the opportunity to be the guy, I believe, at some point. And I think he actually could fit well. Let's say James Conner leaves. They decide to keep Chase Edmonds on for another season. I think he would fit well in a situation where he's sharing work with Chase Edmonds. They would complement each other quite well. What do you think about Travis Etienne and his fantasy prospects if he landed on the Arizona Cardinals? 
I'm probably not as excited as you seem to be. Um, I I thought you got me all pumped up. I thought you were going to go with a different running back there. I thought they do, they do need to upgrade the running back position possibly and have a, a perfect complement to Edmonds. But I think NTN is kind of a guy that's going to have to be the feature guy. I think they kind of – uh, definitely affects Edmonds' value. I think that when you look at ETN, yes, he fits the system in a lot of ways. He, to me, is almost Chase Edmonds, just you're spending a first-round pick on this guy. Um, I'm kind of curious to see how the fit would actually unfold and how they move forward. He's not a great press protector. Um, he's still collar kind of struggle with guys getting in his face a lot last year. I'm not – I think that he becomes the man. He has, definitely has absolute fantasy potential. Um, but with a, a kind of clouded backfield right now with O'Connor the there, while he would be long-term, you know, I think Connor is going to get a shot to play somewhat this year for at least the one year. Um, I, I don't love it, but I do think the long-term fit could be really good because I don't think Chase Edmonds might be not be their guy. He might not be their alpha back necessarily. And as you pointed out, Connor's probably one and done there. Um, so the long-term fantasy implications I think are good. The short-term I'm very skeptical of. Yeah, like I said, this might not be a 2021 thing. This might be a 2022 thing, but I think their actions to this point have shown that they have no intention of ever making Chase Edmonds the man. I wish Chase Edmonds would get a shot. I really like his ability. I think he could handle it, but it doesn't seem like that's ever going to happen, at least not in an Arizona Cardinal uniform. And I think Travis Etienne, amongst the other top backs, fits what the Arizona Cardinals want to do more so than anybody else on the board. Let's move on to the Raiders. What are the Raiders? Are the Raiders going to take another running back, Chris? Is that what you're going to have the Raiders I mean, uh, I, do for the rest of us? Again, am I, am I picking as Gruden or am I picking like what I would do? Because if I'm Gruden, <laughs> I'm absolutely picking another running back right here. And I'm picking quarterback probably too. Um, <laughs> I could. I'm trying, I'm trying to find a guy who could play both, like both Bowden last year. Um, I think I look at the Raiders, what they kind of have in place. With that, with that pick, I probably would go what they were trying to do with Bowden last year and take Kadarius Tony, um, yeah. kind of a gadget player, a guy that you can kind of utilize in different ways. Keep in line with the stupid. Than, Go ahead, yeah. <laughs> well, well I, I mean, I think he's better than Bowden. I think Bowden was kind yeah. of a reach in a certain in the begin with. Um, I think this guy actually is a Curtis Samuel type of way that you can kind of line him up different places. You can utilize some jet sweeps. It's about just getting the ball in his hands. And those three series they kind of have in place. They got Ruggs as you know, a pure speed for a threat. You have Edwards, kind of an in-between kind of guy. They have a bunch of those slot guys like Renfro and stuff like that that are just, you know, catching, falling down the ground. John this guy Brown. is actually going to be a John Brown. Well, John Brown's a good receiver, but he's probably a one-and-done guy, I would imagine. Um, Tony kind of fits where they do. Derek Carr doesn't really have a whole lot of aggressiveness. You see him like he has to check the ball down quite often to those short receivers. So I think that guy's the kind of guy that gives him a chance to have the yak. Um, I think it's a de- decent fit for what they're looking for. And there's nothing else I really look – other than adding the running back possibly to that horrible mix they already have in place – um, I have to probably go with him. Canarius Tony could play the role that they claim Kenyon Drake is going to play this year by being exactly. a running back receiver type of guy. No, I'm, I'm with you on the line of thinking of where you're at on that. And I agree. I mean, Lynn Bowden, somebody they drafted last year. He wound up with the Miami Dolphins by the end of the season. But Canarius Tony is a better version of that. Gruden likes those kind of gadget guys. I can see the fit. Uh, once again, though, and we talked about, I, I comped him. I said his best case scenario was Curtis Samuels, what he could turn out to be. And I still think he has a long way to go and his route tree to even turn into that. Ultimately speaking, from a fantasy standpoint, these type of guys just don't get a ton of volume. He'll never be the number one target. He's never going to get a ton of carries. And it kind of leaves him in a limbo land of maybe you're a wide receiver three fill-in. Whether it's dynasty or redraft, I think it's the best you could ever possibly be. And that's, that's not a knock against the fit, the pick that you take in here. It's just the player that I think no, he I is. Totally agree. And this this would be 
the best fit. I think this would be the best opportunity for him to have consistent playing time, uh, really, than almost anywhere else he could possibly go. Frankly, so it's not it's not a knock on the pick. It's just the type of player that he is. I'm not I'm not seeing it as much. Let's get back to the Dolphins for their second pick. I actually get to pick with the Dolphins twice, don't I? I'm going to take a running back. I'm going to take Najee Harris. I'm going to run up to the board and take Najee Harris on this one. Finally, get a legitimate running back. This team proved last year they like to use the running backs, number one, and they like to be able to run the football. But now you get a closer. What was the Dolphins' biggest problem last year? I think it was closing out games was their biggest problem last year. You know what Najee Harris solves automatically? Being able to close out the game. And we talked about this before. Because this is a guy who's already proven that he has the opportunity to be able to catch the ball. He's not going to get pigeonholed. He could be a three-down back. I don't think Miles Gaskin automatically disappears in 2021, but Harris, I do think, would get the majority of the carries right off the bat on a good offense where he'll get the opportunities to score and the opportunities to close out games at the end. I'd be all about Najee Harris on the Miami Dolphins. I mean, absolutely. They they signed Jordan Howard last year for a reason. They were looking for that kind of power back, the kind of, you know, for short yardage situations, to kind of be more physical. I think, to your point, Najee Harris is a perfect complement for the offense, but they kind of have in place. They need some more physicality on offense. And I think he kind of brings that, kind of like Zeke does with Dallas when he's, he's not fat. Um, and I think that's what you're kind of looking for is Najee Harris, the kind of guy who's going to be able to kind of end games, be your closer for you, but also kind of soften those defenses up so you can take shots down the field with your, your, your all the receiver and you know, playmakers that he has in place now, especially with our draft right now. Um, I think that you kind of look at the pieces and how they would fit, that Najee Harris is the perfect fit there. Washington is up on the board. The Washington football team, where do they go? So, I know a lot of people love Aaron Gibson, and I think he's good. Um, I would have considered taking a back. Antonio Gibson. Out. Sorry, I'm sorry. Antonio Gibson, I apologize. <laughs> At least uh, get his name Gibson. right before you bash him. I know. Well, I, yeah, I, I should do that. Um, I'm not going to bash him. I think that he's a, he's a similar player to Miles Sanders in my book. And I think the Eagles could benefit from having a different back. And I kind of want an Eagle this situation. I would have probably gone with Najee Harris with your pick. Um, I think for me, I'm looking for a guy who's going to be more of my, more of a physical runner of a guy who's going to kind of obtain him back to kind of add with him. So I'm going to go Javon Williams and add that kind of stronger power back. A guy who can catch the ball, can bring some versatility, but also allows you to use Gibson in different ways. They can use Gibson. They were talking about, you know, how guys, gadget players are kind of utilized or Kendrick's going to be utilized supposedly in Oakland. I think Gibbs can legitimately be utilized that way because he did play receiver in college. You can put him in different situations. We can lap in the slot. You can lap him in the backfield. And I think Williams kind of showed that he's a good, great tandem back. He can do everything out of the backfield. He can catch the ball. He can pass ball protect. Um, he's a great runner, I think. He's a physical specimen. He's a great, you know, he, ha- he fits the role. So that's where I would go with Jamal Williams. I, I Javante, I want to hit the alarm yeah, button. I want to I want to hit the alarm button for the debate, but I, I can't. Because I, I can't disagree with your argument. I want to hit it because I think they have to go wide receiver. I would have went with wide receiver to boot Curtis Samuel into the slot with Terry McLaurin. I think Antonio Gibson, I'm coming around Antonio Gibson. I because he because of his size, even though he's a guy who is predominantly a wide receiver, because he has bigger size than you realize, I think he can just be a workhorse guy. But he has no I can't disagree. I can't disagree with your premise. Can't disagree with your premise at all. Javante Williams would be excellent between the tackles on first and second down and goal line situations. And even if it's a situation where you're seeing it's it's a Nick Chubb cream hunt, 
where both of these guys are going series by series basis. So Devonta Freeman, a Tevin Coleman type of situation. Uh, he fits that Scott Turner offense. Well, Javante Williams, that is with Ron Turner. What uh, Rivera, oh, and now I'm doing what you're doing. Ron Rivera, <laughs> and what he wants to do. Uh, so I can't, that's why I can't hit the debate button because I can't disagree with the premise there. That would be a good fit. While it would take away from Antonio Gibson's volume and fantasy standpoint, I think both of them would still have fantasy value at the end of the day. So you, I, might see more, you actually want to see more PP, PPR usage for Gibson because don't forget McKissick. Yeah, because then GD McKissick can move aside. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so right. I think they can kind of switch roles in a lot of ways. I agree. Let's move on to the Chicago Bears at pick 20 in this all fantasy mock draft. And the Chicago Bears, they need a receiver. They also need a quarterback. I'm going to take Kyle Trask here at quarterback for the Chicago Bears. You have Andy Dalton? You have Nick Foles? Look, Kyle Trask doesn't have the biggest arm in the world. And he kind of grades out to be an Andy Dalton in a lot of ways. But I like his anticipation. I like his physicality. This is a guy who's going to stand in the pocket, take a hit, and still deliver the ball. I, I like that a lot about him. I like his accuracy. While my NFL evaluation on him is I ultimately think he'll be a very high-quality backup, but I don't think he's a guy who's a prolonged starter. That's what the Chicago Bears do anyway. But he's more accurate than Andy Dalton. And when I'm looking for a quarterback... Because while in this situation, I'm not drafting Kyle Trask here because I like the fantasy value that he would be. I'm drafting him here because I think he would actually be the most accurate quarterback Allen Robinson's ever had in his career. The value that he would give to Allen Robinson in this situation and David Montgomery out of the backfield is why I take Kyle Trask here, Bears, and their Mitchell Trubisky 2.0, but better. Well, I think I don't know if he's Mitchell Trubisky 2.0. He's Nick Foles 2.0. I mean, yeah. if you look at a lot of what he brings to the table, he's a big, tall, strong guy. looks to part. Arms okay. Um, he has guys have moxie, takes some shots down the field. And I think you talk about a guy who throws more accurate ball. I don't think there's more accurate ball than Andy Dalton does. I don't think there's more accurate ball than Nick Foles does. And I think when you kind of see the, the Bears, what their offense was kind of designed to do last year, um, it's, it's get rid of the ball quickly. It's get the playmakers the ball. I think Trask kind of fits that. He did he did a great job in Florida last year. He put up tremendous numbers. He lit up Alabama in some of those games, in the top corners. He's able to kind of get his playmakers the ball. So I think he's a good fit. Um, he's not necessarily a first-round talent, but as a, you know, we're talking about what we're going to do right here, I think it's probably the best fit for the, the Bears with they need right there. Let's move on. Indianapolis Colts, they're on the clock. Chris, where are you going to go from an all-fantasy mock draft? So should I add another running back here too? <laughs> no, um, Just I'm to actually piss gonna, off everybody. Yeah, basically, right. I'm actually gonna go at. I'm gonna go with Jalen Dardine um, from North Texas. I think he's he's one of my guys that I like. Um, he's definitely a slot receiver. He's not gonna line up on the outside, but this guy when he gets the ball in his hands is absolutely electric. Um, he's get, he makes people miss. He's got incredible cuts. He runs decent patterns. He can still def, definitely improve to a degree. But one of the more explosive guys, I mean, I watched this guy as a sophomore uh, two years ago, and he got, he kind of stood out to me because I was like, who's this guy so quickly and just making everybody miss constantly? And Ceylon Dardine, I think when you look at that team kind of missing, he's an explosive playmaker. T.Y. Hilton's not explosive anymore. Michael Pippen's a nice, you know, a, a big, tall, long, lanky receiver. He's, he's got the ability to get down the field. He's got the ability to kind of attack the red zone. But Ceylon Dardine, they kind of gives him that, that ability to, get the screen passes, get the short passes, and make something bigger off their offense. And it gives you opportunities to just sweet action. I think he kind of fits what the Colts kind of do. Let's move on to the Tennessee Titans. And I'm going to, with the Tennessee Titans, I'm going to pick Diami Brown. 
I'm gonna. He fits what they do. He he's a big play threat. He can line up on the opposite side of AJ Brown. They can still move AJ Brown inside and outside, but he's a more physical type of guy. And I think this might not be too far from what they maybe do if they, if they don't go receiver in the first round. Taking a Diami Brown in the second round might actually be a real possibility. Quite frankly, he has a limited route tree, but he will fit what they need. They need a guy who just take the top off and let AJ Brown operate in the intermediate part of the field. Let's move on to the New York Jets. New York Jets on the clock again. Chris, what are the Jets doing at 23? So the Jets at 23, I think they definitely need to upgrade the running back position. And they're going one of my favorite running backs in, in this draft, and that's Michael Carter um, from North Carolina. I think this guy has been knocked. He's, he's only, you know, because he's only 5'9", and he's about 200 pounds, he can't be an everyday about, every down back. I think this guy's going to be the most explosive playmaker in this draft when it comes to running back position. Um, I think this guy can catch the ball. I think he can make people miss. And one of the cool things about him, just off his line isn't that great. And we've seen a lot of times small running backs have success with lines that aren't that great. Um, he kind of gets lost behind Michael Beckton. He gets kind of lost behind some of the other guys they have. So I think he could actually have an impact. And we need to get a check down guy because I don't think Tevin Goldman's the answer. Um, you talk about pre it's not the answer. Zach Wilson's going to need somebody else to kind of take some of the pressure off of him. Yeah, and I think he would fit the system really well on top of that too. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers on the clock. And because you just cut my legs out from under me with the running back that I was going to take, I'm going to stick with the running back though. I'm going to go with Ramondre Stevenson. Maybe we're having flashbacks to the bus with a Ramondre Stevenson pick, possibly bigger guy, nimble feet, great balance, breaks tackles, not overly fast, can catch the ball out of the backfield. That's everything Stevenson is. He's much better than Benny Snell. He would instantly be, in this situation, he would instantly be the best running back in that Pittsburgh Steelers backfield. And because he can pass protect, he would legitimately have a chance to start right away in 2021. Roger Stevenson, not just from a dynasty standpoint, from a redraft standpoint, a Pittsburgh Steelers fit, I think would be a really nice one. You have anything about that real quick? I was going to say, he's he's underrated him catching the ball too. He's a, he's a good, good receiver coming out of the backfield. Yeah, I agree. The Jacksonville Jaguars. Chris gets the picks of the Jacksonville Jaguars again for the second time today. All back on the clock at 25. What are the Jaguars doing in your fantasy draft? Long tight end from Boston College. Um, I'm not a big Pat from Earth fan, as we kind of debated Ooh. last time on one of the other shows that we had. And you're lucky um, we don't have enough time to debate it now. Yeah, well, I know we don't. But <laughs> this guy could actually he could attack the seam. He could stretch the field. Um, he's six foot five. He's been highly effective in the red zone the last two years. I think this guy can lap in different places. He can lap in the slot sometimes. I, I would go with him. I don't think he's nearly as athletic as you are, but we'll move on. The Browns are on the clock. I think the Browns, they might be moving on from OBJ. I'm not really sure. I don't know what's going to go happen there. I don't think they should. They might. If they do, they're going to need another, they're going to need another wide receiver, without a doubt. So with that in mind, I'm actually going to take, I'm going to go with a bigger play. I'm going to, not a bigger play, but a bigger bodied receiver. I'm going to go with Nico Collins out of Michigan. A true red zone threat. The reason I'm doing this, I want to pair him up with a guy who, in a Kevin Stefanski type of offense, which is a derivative of the Kubiak offense, which is a derivative of the Shanahan offense, you want your receivers on the outside to be able to block. He does that very well. He's also very effective in the red zone. He pairs up well with a Jarvis Landry, assuming they move on from an OBJ. Now, this would be a guy that you had to wait a couple of years for to get value, but I think this is the best fit for a Nico Collins for a Cleveland Browns team who might need a wide receiver to replace OBJ potentially, especially after this year. Yeah, I can't argue that. Um, we've seen 
Baker has success with Sean Higgins. We seem to have success with different receivers. I think you go with the guy who has the potential. Another mission guy, because people didn't do, do bad for them last year either. No. But another mission guy, guy who can kind of add on the red zone target and have some explosiveness to his game. The Baltimore Ravens. What do the Ravens do in a fantasy draft? So I know everybody thinks that they need to get a receiver. But looking at the value what's left on the board for me, I'm going to go Tommy Tremble. Um, I think that we I saw like Hayden, I like it. He saw Hayden Hurst kind of be utilized with, you know, they drafted two tight, two tight ends in one draft, taking Andrews in the third round, taking Hurst in the first round. I think that he kind of helps make up for the loss of Hurst. Um, you can still have Boyle be the primary, you know, tight end at blocks. And he kind of also assures when you want to, you you can keep Andrews maybe, or you can't pay Andrews. You have somebody that can kind of fill that role moving forward. I go with Tommy Tremble and gives Lamar Jackson another red zone target as well. Well, and an excellent H back. I think he'd be very versatile in a offense. Yeah, you have some fullback. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That that will actually emphasize you know the run game and use him kind of creatively. I think Tommy Trumbull would be a great Greg Roman fit. I really like that pick uh, quite a bit by you on that one. So that. Don't forget Bruce Miller. The guy that he threw yes, to the it, wall uh, yes, it was Bruce. It was Bruce Miller on San Francisco when Greg Roman was there. It, that does a very uh, comp, a competent comp right there as well. So let's move on. We got the Saints. The New Orleans Saints. I don't think it's any question what the New Orleans Saints need, and not just from you know a old fantasy draft standpoint, from a real draft standpoint. When you're talking about offensively, they need wide receiver. They need somebody else on the other side of Michael Thomas, who's actually worth something because Traquan Smith is worth absolutely nothing in my book. I'm going to take St. Brown, USC, because he's going to be able to do a little bit of everything for them, which is kind of what you need. Michael Thomas can get to play his inside, outside. St. Brown can just line up on that outside perimeter. Deep threat, if you need him to be, he could be a screen guy if you need him to be. So I'm going to go with St. Brown at a USC. Again, another situation where I think it'd be more dynasty value than anything else, counting on hoping that Jameis Winston is the one who wins out the quarterback job. But once he develops his tree, he doesn't have it yet, but he has the hips for it. I think he will be able to develop a full route tree in the NFL. I think this guy could be a nice compliment to a Michael Thomas type. That's a great point. I think he does compliment the offense, what they do. I think Sean Payton likes those kind of receivers. I agree. So let's go to the next pick, which is the Green Bay Packers on the board. I can only guess what you're going to do with the Green Bay Packers here. Go ahead. So... I look at what's left on the board, and of course, I, I want to add a receiver so bad for the chart for the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> if I thought about it, I want to do what the Green Bay would do. I'd probably take a quarterback here. Um, but <laughs> what I'm going to do is I'm going to stick to receiver because I do think they need one. And I'm going to go with Cornell Powell from Clemson. Um, I'm going to go with kind of a guy who has some explosiveness, has the ability to kind of stretch the field. I think they need somebody to kind of help take the top off. We saw Van Scatling have some, some productive um, numbers. I don't think that there are other receivers necessarily other than, you know, Adams is definitely a beast. The rest of the receiving court isn't necessarily explosive. So they need to have somebody that has a little bit of burst. I'm going to go with Powell from Clemson. All right. Next up on the board is the Buffalo Bills at 30. And this is actually a no-brainer for me. I'm taking Pat Freermuth for the Buffalo Bills. They need a tight end, especially a tight end who can stretch the seam and kind of complement how they're utilizing Stephon Diggs all over the field, Emmanuel Sanders. They have all these really good receivers with Cole Beasley. They all complement each other really well, but what they don't have is a tight end to just do two things, drag and go down the seam. That's the two things Pat Freermuth does really, really well. So I'm going to go with Pat Freermuth here for the Buffalo Bills. I still like Dallas Knox. I think he has still 
chance to be a good, really good tight end, but I do don't disagree that he could definitely bet from I can attack the middle of the field. Let's move on to pick 31, which is the Kansas City Chiefs. They are on the clock. What does Kansas City do? Well, I'm thinking I might need a quarterback. I'm not sure if this mine's good enough. Or not. <laughs> no. Um I think when you look what the Kansas City kind of has in place, I'm looking at Kate Johnson from South Dakota State. Um, another guy who's got a primary slot receiver. Um, you have Tyree Kill, but Tyree Kill's used all over the field. And maybe he can you can have Billy play in the outside a lot more. Kate Johnson kind of adds another playmaker to that offense. We saw that we've seen kind of the, the speed guys like Hardman just being able to stretch the field. I think they could use another guy who can you talk about crosses and kind of kind of across the field. Give Patrick Mahomes somebody else that gets the ball down to him and can make a big play for him. Guess who's up next? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Super Bowl champions. The one team that really probably doesn't need anything fantasy-wise, especially if they re-sign Antonio Brown. But as of right now, Brown is not signed. And even though this guy is listed as a running back, I think he actually portrays better as a wide receiver in the NFL. So I'm going to go with Kenneth Gainwell. I mean, look, they want to take every running back on the sun. So why not get a guy who could do both? Pass catching running back that you obviously are so desperately looking for when you sign Giovanni Bernard and can also be a slot wide receiver who has that kind of versatility and talent. I think this actually could be a legitimate fit if they were to take Kenneth Gainwell at some point. I don't think he would play running back for them right away. I think they would train him up to be a slot wide receiver. Uh, you know, with Chris Godwin and uh, Mike Evans, definitely there, assuming Antonio Brown doesn't come back. Now, from a real-life standpoint, I think Brown does make his way back to this team, but for this per- draft purposes, with him not actually being on the field, I think Kenneth Gainwell might be the guy. Go ahead, give me a few thoughts on that before we close out. Well, I think I'm not a big Gainwell fan overall, but I think if you look at what Tampa Bay is missing, so to speak, they're missing James White. That's what that's what Tom Brady wants. It's obvious they're trying to target different running backs to kind of catch the ball. They signed Giovanni Bernard. I think he's done. Um, so I think Gainwell will be an excellent signing for them or extra pick for them because I think that he kind of provides what they're looking for, a guy who can come out of the backfield, catch his short passes, play third downs, and make some plays. He's not how explosive necessarily, but he can run good routes. He can definitely run the angle route. And we see, like I said, we've seen James White be highly successful with Tom Brady. Why not give him a guy who's basically the same kind of guy? Time for the mailbag. The mail's here. All right, Ben, start off with our polls from this week first. We had the first one was uh, Kyle Pitts as he finishes a top five fantasy tight end. I think yes. 35% said yes. 65% said no. This made me happy. This means empty nations paying attention. Rookie tight ends don't go off crazy in their rookie year. And remember, this question was about top five. Now, this question about the top 10. I think we see closer to 50-50 split, and I think he will be a top 10 tight end depending upon where he goes. But top five is going to be tough. You're talking about Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Mark Andrews, Darren Waller. You're talking about those guys. Does he? Did you crack top five in his rookie year, Chris? I think yes. Really? He's healthy. Yeah. You talked about Kittle having injury issues. I think you have there's the absolute tight ends that you think are studs, and there's the guys who can become, you know, are consistent some to some degree i think there's no reason he can keep with the numbers that darren waller puts up in a lot of ways i think he's darren waller but better um so i think there's absolute chance that he would finish top five this year i think the last time a rookie tight end finished in the top five was jeremy shockey if i'm not mistaken uh, and evan ingram was the last rookie tight end to finish in the top 10 so maybe he has to go to the giants maybe that's the key as a rookie tight end uh, go there 
Look, I think he definitely can. This is all going to depend on where he falls. If you could tell me I think right Kellen Winslow now, was top five too, but go ahead. Kellen Winslow was not. He wasn't even in the top 10, but he was top 12 his rookie season. If you go back, if you can tell me right now he's going to be drafted by Atlanta Falcons at four, then he's got a shot at top five. It's going to depend on where he goes. If he goes to Miami Dolphins, I don't think he cracks the top five because I don't think they're going to throw the ball enough for everybody for him to actually get into the top fives. So I think it's going to depend on where he goes, mostly speaking. But I do think no matter where he goes, I do think top 10 is in the realm of possibility for Kyle Pitts, which is why I was glad this question was top five, made it a little bit more interesting. And I'm glad more people said no. It means they're not going too crazy on the hype. All right, we had one more poll that kind of just ended a few hours ago. Ben, what was that? Who would you rather have in a fantasy football draft? And the options were A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, and Calvin, Calvin Ridley was Ridley. the third guy. This surprised me as far as the discrepancy in the voting because it was 54% A.J. Brown, 27% D.K. Metcalf, and 19% Calvin Ridley. I'm not surprised Calvin Ridley's third there. What I'm surprised is that while I would – select A.J. Brown over those three, I was surprised that it was a 54 to 27% gap between A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf because they're not that far apart. Chris, what do you think? I'm a little bit surprised it's such a gap, too. Um, I think it kind of shows the recency bias. A.J. Brown's finished the season strong. D.K. didn't finish the season strong, so people kind of remember that, and they kind of stick to that. But I think we, overall, we look at it. Um, I would take A.J. over the other, other two. But Calvin really had a hell of a year last year, so it's not that easy and such a clear-cut thing to me. No, I agree. Look, I would like any of these receivers. We're talking about nitpicking. The only reason I would go A.J. Brown over the other two in this instance is because the target share that A.J. Brown is getting stared in the face at going into 2021. All right, Ben, read us off our first question of the day. All right. Our first mailbag question is from Dom. and It is C.D. Lamb and Allen Robinson for Tyreek Hill and Jameson Crowder in a PPR Dynasty League. Yeah, no, no, don't trade C.D. Lamb and Allen Robinson for Tyreek Hill. And Jay. What, what are you, nuts? C.D. Lamb and Allen Robinson are going to be around for at least years to come. Tyreek Hill's great, no doubt about it, but James Crowder, I'm like, he's okay. How many more years does he really have left? And we got to see what the new Jets system is going to be like. No way am I giving up those two studs. What do you say, Chris? I, yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I mean... I think James Crowder is a solid receiver, but I think Zach Wilson's probably the worst thing that could happen for him. Zach Wilson's looking to check yeah. the ball down. He's not looking exactly. for the underneath guy. So I look at these other two guys who are absolute studs in my book. And Alan Robinson might get free from Chicago at some points where he could be still be a stud somewhere else too. I definitely would not make that trade. Next question, Dan. Line, by the way, too. All right. Our next question is from Blake, and it is Superflex Dynasty PPR. Deshaun Watson for Calvin Ridley. Yeah, 100%. Yes. If somebody's offering you Calvin Ridley right now for Deshaun Watson, you shouldn't just walk. You should run to pulling the trigger on that deal because right now you can't count on Deshaun Watson playing another game of football. Is it super flex, Ben? It's super flex. Super flex. Um, I wouldn't do it this year. I would mm. take I would take my chances that even if Watson gets suspended, that his career necessarily is over. We still have a lot to see what happens. I love Calvin Ridley, but in a super flex, I'm one of the, a quarterback who definitely has a chance to finish the top five every year. I'm going to hold on to Watson. See, unlike, I'm, I'm not worried about him being suspended. I'm worried about him going to jail, and that's why I would make this deal, and that's what I'd be concerned about, and that, that's kind of what it boils down for me, but I understand exactly where you're coming from. Ben, give us our next question. Our next question is from Roman. It is, is Jameis Winston a top 20 quarterback this year? Go ahead, Ben. Answer that one. 
I'm going to go with, yes, surprisingly, um, if he does get deemed the starter in that Saints offense, I think that Jameis Winston sat a year behind Drew Brees and kind of has a fire under him after them going to Taysom Hill, Alvin Kamara, a healthy Michael Thomas, and I guess we'll see what the Saints can do. But I think, you know, even when he did throw 30-30, he was probably, what, a top 10, top 7 fantasy quarterback. So as long as he can keep the touchdowns and decrease the interceptions, why can't he be a top 20 quarterback this year? Yeah, exactly. There's nothing surprising about it. When it comes to fantasy football, Jameis Winston's going to put up points because he's not afraid to throw the ball down the field. And as long as he has Michael Thomas and Alf Kamara, he'll be just fine. Give us our last question. All right. Our last question is from Peyton. It is Terry McLaurin in the 2022 third-round pick for Keenan Allen in the 2022 first-round pick. I know what I would do. Chris, go ahead. Uh, I would take the Keenan Allen in the 2020 first pick. I'm out. Keenan Allen, as long as Justice Herbert's the quarterback, is going to get targeted like crazy. And they got a first rounder as well. I'm going with that. Yeah, I know Terry McLaurin's younger, but for the next two years, possibly three years, they probably have the same exact value. And in one hand, you're getting a first round pick. In the other hand, you're getting a third round pick. It's a no brainer. Ben closes out. What do you think? Um, I agree with you guys. Obviously, the difference is Keenan Allen has Justin Herbert who is only going to get better throughout these next few years. Well, Terry McLaurin's quarterback situation is a little iffy. Obviously, it's Ryan Fitzpatrick as of right now, so I guess we'll have to see how that develops. But how can you not take Keenan Allen in the first-round pick? Absolutely. Kyle Allen and Tyler Henke. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's going to win the Super Bowl next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk about narratives that we're going to have to bite into later. Uh, that's going to do it for the MD's Fantasy Football Show. I want to give a quick shout out to Ben. He's been doing great things all throughout his past semester here from when we came on. You are going to see him one more time before he disappears for the summer because he's going to be on the third round next Friday for the NFL draft stream coverage, which of course will start on Thursday at 7 30. We'll be back at 6 30 on Friday to the second and third round. So make sure you check that out and you'll see Ben then he'll be back for that before he comes back again in the fall just want to give him a nice shout out there for everything he has been doing this is the MD's fantasy football show we will be back the first Friday of May on the worldwide sports radio network WWSRN at belly up MDFF show they can follow us on every single one of your social medias make sure you turn in the NFL draft coverage because you'll see us again Thursday night Yeah, and be all over it. So we will be there for you guys. Make sure to check us out then and check us out on your favorite streaming apps after the show. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you like to go. We'll see you guys then. Have a good weekend. We'll see you next week. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.